right, we are back for another episode of the Freewheeling Podcast. I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-hosts, Lauren Rowney. How's it going? Oh, that makes me feel really nice inside. Um, <laughs> warm and fuzzy. Yeah, going good. Um, like I said at the start of the call, but um, the listeners obviously weren't listening. I'm a bit fuzzy right now. It's the end of the day. Um, is that we're halfway through April, which means that... The classics are almost done. And for a lot of those classics writers, today is almost like their last day before we head into the really hilly, difficult Ardennen racing, which I was never very good at myself. Um, so, like, for a lot of writers, their, their campaign is, is over as of today. Um, and they'll start resting up and preparing for the next part of the season, whereas a whole bunch of new writers will be coming in like your Taylor Wiles to come and do um, the Ardenham races, which is exciting. It's a nice way to finish off a really good classic season. Amy Jones. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Today seems to be one of those like crazy busy days and also topped off by like having to try and work whilst also watching a really exciting bike race, but don't tell... It was exciting. Anyone I said that. Well, when you work for cycling people, I think it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. It's expected, right? You have yeah. to do it. Meanwhile, <laughs> I, I was on a, a phone call for work, so I couldn't actually watch oh. the And there was no way because it was like a Zoom call, so um, they could clearly see me. Oh, sad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> you need a cardboard um, cutout of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> just permanently like this you're like yes i'm sorry my screen is frozen <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah uh like lauren said today was uh Brabant's appeal or today uh, when we were recording this will come out the day after but um Brabant's appeal is kind of the last of the the classics races in terms of i don't know i mean what would you define a classics race as wait how I saw this on Twitter and it was a very interesting tweet and I'll throw it to you guys to see mm. what you think. Brabant's Appeal, is it an Ardennes or is it a classic? Oh, it's, so I define, I guess, classics now living in Belgium as the Flemish Ardennes, right? Which is um, all those famous cobble clients like the Quermont and the Canaryberg, et cetera. But today's race is in a completely different part of Belgium. No, it's the Brabant's. That's actually the name of the region. Uh, <laughs> It's near Limburg, um, but I saw, so it's a completely different region. It's sort of moving over towards that Ardennen area where mm -hmm. we'll see um, Flesh Wallon and Liège, Bust on Liège. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the cobble, the classic cobble classics were done as of Flanders. Um, and then somehow Paris-Roubaix falls into that but I don't know how, because it's actually not a Belgian race when you think about it. it. Starts and finishes in France. I guess the cobbles and like the general vibe around Paris-Roubaix kind of lump it into those. Yeah, exactly. Paris-Roubaix is kind of its own animal. It is, um, which we won't discuss till October. But um, <laughs> yeah, so it's a different region and uh, Annemiek van Vluden was really excited about the race based on the fact that they're going to be racing over those hills during um, the World Championships, which will be in September. So I think if you have an interest in doing the Worlds and 
this somehow fits in with your racing calendar, it's uh, it's a nice race to do to get a bit of a taste of maybe what the course will look like in a sense. What do you think, Amy? Classic, Ardenne? The ap- aperitif? <laughs> the aperitif? <laughs> it's a weird, like, liminal space between the classics and, and the Ardennes, I guess. Like, I, I don't really know how you would... It's, it's actually a Flanders classics race, isn't it? It belongs to the same... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the band. yeah. So I guess in that sense, it kind of is, but it's definitely not got the characteristics of a of a cobble classic. Um, it's like the transition period. It's like it's yeah. transitioning us from the classics into the Ardennes. Yeah, that's yeah. a perfect description of the race. And also, like if you're a team staying on in Belgium, right? It's nice to continue racing, I suppose. Um, so it fills up the week because for me, training in Belgium is quite boring. Um, so I would prefer to race when here, and I'm sure a lot of the riders share that sentiment. Especially if the weather's bad, it's a bit different if someone's making you go out. Exactly. Ride. <laughs> yeah. It it was a really exciting race today. I mean, the break of six that kind of formed near the end of the race was made up of a lot of riders that have been in the last couple races more on the domestique role i'm thinking leah thomas ruth winder um even demi volering hasn't really been able to ride for herself and then you had uh elisa balsamo who we've talked about before is just an incredible sprinter and she's really coming into her own this season i think um so it was a really interesting break that went up the road and the race was won by ruth winder by a hair (laughs) that overhead photo of the two of them is just wild. It's so close. And and Demi did the age old uh, post it up, post it up too early. <laughs> we'll hear from Taylor Wiles at the end of the episode, a slightly longer conversation, but she is also going to be keeping an audio diary for us over the Ardennes. So here is her audio diary from Brabant's Appeal. Taylor Wiles here, reporting to Abby, Gail, Mickey. Abby, Gail. <laughs> um, yeah, today, Brabant's appeal. I'm probably saying that incredibly wrong. Um, obviously, it was a super awesome day because we won with the incredible Ruth Winder, my American um, buddy partner in crime on the team um yeah it's pretty cool uh it's a bit of a hectic day with a lot of craziness and crazy people in the bunch but that's pretty normal um but yeah not a lot happened until we got into the circuits but before that um my teammate loretta was kind of looking after the front and doing an awesome job as she always does just kind of monitoring everything at the front and then once we got into the circuits um me lucinda and ruth were just um trying to be vigilant and go with moves and maybe try to cause some and yeah i went with one that was a bit short-lived unfortunately but it was still fun to be out there for a bit um they went on the climb that's actually in the world championships uh they repaved the cobbles so they're like nice they're nice cobbles it's steep and hard but they're still nice 
Um, so you'll get to see that in Worlds a bunch. Uh, cause I think we do it like every time on the world circuit. Um, but yeah, my break went there, but then I got reeled back and then it was the climb to the start finish that Annemiek van Vleuten actually, um, set up her teammate pretty incredibly. Like she did an attack, uh, a pretty hard attack and then kind of sat up just enough. So there was like a tiny lull and then, um, Leia Thomas put in a really good attack and, um, Ruth was right on her wheel, so it was pretty perfect. And then she took away four riders, and I believe there were two riders already off the road, so then there was six um, up the road. And So, yeah, I was pretty impressed um, with Movistar, how they raced, and, and how Anamique set up Leia. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then, yeah, Ruth backed herself in the sprint, which we know she's super fast, and it's hard for her to to have patience and, and, and wait, even though she is really fast. I think she wanted to attack, but she trusted her sprint, which was great. And then, yes, everybody that saw it was a photo finish. So it was pretty, pretty close on the line with her and Demi Vollering. And thankfully she won by the smidgiest of smidgens and we got to celebrate. So it was super exciting. And now her and I are both at an Airbnb in downtown Maastricht um, between this and the Ardennes and looking forward to lots of coffee shop hopping, the real coffee kind, not the other coffee shop kind, <laughs> obviously. Um, and yeah, just kind of a chill few days, but we're really excited because this is a good kind of sign for what's to come in the Ardennes and a uh, shout out to our men's team and Tom's getting a fifth place today in the men's race. So it was pretty sweet to see him up there in the little breakaway behind the trio up front. So that was also great. So I would say watch out for Trek Siegfriedo of the Ardennes, both the men and the women. Cause I think, I think we're going well and yeah. Anyway, talk to you later. See you on the next diary. Either, uh, I guess Amstel. Amstel's next. Sunday fun day. Bye. So Taylor and I will talk a lot more about the Ardennes, which one is her favorite, stuff like that at the end of the episode. So stay tuned for my conversation with Taylor. But one of the things that we did talk about that really ties into Bourbon's Appeal is the lack of opportunities that riders like Taylor and Demi Vollering and Leia Thomas, the lack of opportunities that they get when they're riding for a big name like Annemiek Van Vluten and Lisa Longa Borghini and Anna Van der Bregen. They have two stage races that are longer than five days, the women's tour and the Bulls ladies tour. And, and that's pretty much it, especially with the demotion of the Giro Rosa down to pro series on the world tour side, they they have barely any stage races. If you compare that with the men's calendar, they have three 21 day races. They have 63 opportunities for domestiques to go for a stage win. And on the women's side, we see the same names winning over and over because there's so little racing opportunities that the teams really need to back their biggest name 
at every race, if they want a chance to win, they can't really gamble on letting a domestique go for it, which is one of the reasons that Brabant's appeal was so exciting today. The winning break that went was really set up by Annemiek Van Vluten leading out Leia Thomas and, and allowing Leia to really take the reins of the race. Overall, it was a it was a good race. It was a good sprint as well. I feel like if Volorin hadn't celebrated, almost if she'd done a bike throw, she might have just clinched it. It was almost like the reason that she didn't get it, which is a bit... I mean, she won't make that mistake again. Yeah, you hate to say it because we've seen so many of these, like, oh, the one that gets me, I have to bring up, is Lucy Kennedy. Lucy Kennedy. Oh, <laughs> I just... I watched oh, that so no. many times over and I was like, this that was the most painful loss I've ever seen, I think. So she looked so sad. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it was just like, I mean, Voss came out of nowhere, but um still, yeah, posting it. I think though, man, when it's that close and you're really fighting for it, I would never even think of lifting my hand. But um Ruth did a fantastic bike throw. Really, they. I think cycling tips slowed it down, didn't they? Like frame by frame, it was beautiful to watch. And yeah, I mean, I really feel for Demi. Like she's had a really amazing spring. She's been so useful for that team. But so has mm-hmm. Ruth. And you know, Ruth came over, started out with Trophia Binder, has been helping the team. Yeah, so much in all these races, and like today was her day. And I think she's gonna just keep going from strength to strength. I'm excited to see what she does in the Ardennes. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, it was um, a great race. And we saw Ashley Mormon Passio return as well after a bit of time out since Binder, where she just didn't seem like she could really follow the... I mean, obviously, some of those riders weren't there today, but she looked really strong, so I think she'll go well in the Ardennes as well. Yeah, and she won the bunch sprint, which is also is also a good the in terms of ha- her kick and having that kick going into the Ardennes, winning the bunch sprint is is a good indication that she's coming in at a good time in the season. And then another rider who we really need to talk about is Joss Loudon because not only was she there in the end of the race, she was there Every single time that there was a split that I saw, I mean, she looked incredible out there and she was really riding on her own. I mean, those smaller teams, it's harder to work to work as a team because you're really just there to survive. And she was she was super impressive today. And I think it's just as she gets more and more comfortable in the bunch, she's just going to get better and better, which is which is really exciting for for a rider like Joss Loudon and, uh, and for drops. Mm. Yeah. And Amy, you've spoken about Joss quite a bit, right? Um, and- well, yeah. So <laughs> back in the UK in like 2017, I was on a team with her. And uh, as you can see, our lives have taken very divergent paths since then. <laughs> um, one of us is coming top 10 in the, uh, in top level races and the other is sat on the sofa. Um, wait, 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 give yourself some credit. You're both doing <laughs> awesome things in women's cycling just from different sides of the fence. Her glasses Thanks, aren't nearly as cool as yours. No. Oh. <laughs> there we go. I'll take that one. I'll take that. Um, yeah, she did so well. She even, she crashed earlier on in the race as well. 
Um, and yeah, teammates is is an interesting one with them. Um, her teammate actually did wait with her and pace her back on, um, which was good to see for a team like that. Um, but yeah, I think she struggled. Um, she struggled riding in in the bunch for quite a while, and it seems like she's fine. It's finally clicked for her. So yeah, she's going to be really interesting to to watch racing. Well, you, and I think because uh, typically speaking, you know the Ardennen racing it's it's a different kind of beast to to this classics racing you see a different rider of course there are riders who do both but it's more relaxed the the roads are more open you don't have the cobbles so someone like her is probably going to really shine in the in the coming 10 days actually yeah I could see her really riding well in Amstel gold which is kind of the the chillest of the three races, I would say. Um, before we get into into the Ardennes, because we they're coming up, they're coming up quick. Um, we got to talk a second about Elisa Balsamo and her sprint. So, looking at that group going into the finish line, you would think, okay, all of these riders up against Elisa Balsamo in a sprint, she's got it. Like she's got it in the bag, especially how we've seen her sprinting this year. But she didn't. She just kind of stalled when it came to the sprint and it was between Ruth and Demi. But having her having made that group in the first place, I think is a really good indication of Eliza Balsamo's strengths. Um, I think making it into that group did probably cut off a little of her top end. And that's why we didn't see her sprint as she has. But she's not traditionally made it to the finish with with a small group when there's climbs like there was in Brabant's Peel. So what do you guys think of of Balsamo? Well, it just shows that these young riders, they're they're still developing, right? You can't pigeonhole them. Typically, we would have just said a few years ago, she's a sprinter, right? When she won Madrid, I believe. Um, But yeah, it's she's still young and she's still developing and she's still, you know, building that strength in her legs. And a lot of it just comes down to belief and confidence. There are so many riders who are told that they can't climb. Corinne Rivera is one that comes to mind. And then she went ahead and won Trofia Binder and Flanders in the same year. So we can probably expect the same. This is just my opinion from someone like Belsamo. And she's, she's just going to gain confidence from every one of these races and she'll be a a fantastic all-rounder in the end I think um and um yeah it was like you said Abby I think again today was probably a hard day in the saddle she's done a bunch of racing and that sprint is quite a hard sprint I think it's like slightly uphill too so I mean we saw Vanderpool stall in Flanders at the very last minute and you would have said he would have won that sprint. Right. But yeah, at the the end of the day after a hard race. Yeah. Yeah. Like you say, she's still really young. Um, and that's, I mean, that's a whole conversation in itself about like, I don't think women's cycling lends itself as much to men's as in terms of pigeonholing riders as like this person's a climber, this is a sprinter. Like you say, like you have to be a lot more of a generalist in women's cycling. Um, so yeah, I think she's definitely fast and she's come from the track in that sense. She saw how she was like sprinting seated as well. Um, but yeah, she probably just, she was knackered after the climbs. I would be. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's yes. It's, it's all about anything to say. <laughs> Speaking of uh, writers who are multifaceted, Kata Voss is signed for SD Works, which is really cool. And they are going to represent her road, cross, and mountain biking, which is not something we've really ever seen from SD Works. I mean, Christine Mayurus and a couple of the other riders like dabble in cross. Christine Mayurus probably being the most cross centric of the lot of them, um, except when they had Nikki Brammeyer, which if you haven't seen Nikki Brammeyer's piece on cyclingtips.com about uh, Red's relative energy deficiency, then definitely check her piece out. It's really moving. She goes through her, talks about her career and and some of the struggles that all cyclists really face when it comes to um, the pressure to be lean. But SC Works backing a rider like Kata Voss in, in all three disciplines and also moving a rider who was discovered by Mark Braca, as they said in their press release onto a team like this. I mean, it's good. It's, it's really good for her to be, to be moving into a more stable environment. Yeah. That's true. I was trying to like be politically correct. Yeah. (laughs) Or something. No, it's it's wonderful. SD Works um, over the years, I mean, since Bowles Dolmans, have done a really good job of identifying talent, I think, and nurturing it. Um, there are quite a few teams that are definitely going in that direction. Trek Segafredo, for one. Um, so this is fantastic. And they're letting her have a taste of everything. She's a fantastic cross rider and a great mountain biker. So why wouldn't you... Uh, allow her to pursue these disciplines when their team is already stacked anyway so she can develop and jump in here and there when it fits with the schedule but no pressure in a few years if she decides to go full road which is highly likely that's you know a choice of her own but uh, it's really great Um, I'm curious to see how she goes on the road I think we've discussed this the three of us anyway um, whether we're going to see this emergence of cross riders coming to the road and just like kicking ass um there are already a few so yeah she's definitely one of those one of those cross riders who could really make a huge impact on the road scene having not not raced one she's one of the very few cross riders who hasn't really raced previously on the road i mean she's she's tipped her toe in it a little bit she is the hungarian national champion for elite this year and for women's junior before in 2019. So she's ridden on the road and she's shown promise on the road, but it's very untapped. And she said herself in the press release about the, about her joining the team that she really doesn't know which discipline she, she is best suited to or which one she likes the most. And, um, having her move into this environment with, with Anna Vanderbreg and, and Chantel Black as teammates for one year and then, and then going to be directors. I mean, it's just awesome to have this young rider move on to this team. It's great. And from Hungary as well. How cool. Like <laughs> All right. Let's uh <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the Ardennes before we hear from Taylor Wiles. We got coming up Amstel Gold on the weekend. And after that, Flesh Wallone midweek classic. And we'll be back after Flesh Wallone to break down those two and talk about Liege Bastion Liege. Before we talk about Amso Gold, really, or some of the major news going into the race, Anna Vanderbregen, sick, 
potentially not racing Amso Gold, did not race Bravant's Appeal. Ellen Van Dyke, the Rona. Mm-hmm. Lizzie Dignan also out. A lot of, um, that opens up the door a lot for Ruth Winder to have another go. Um, without Anna Vandebregen, that also means SD Works is kind of out their top rider as well. If Anna Vandebregen can't race Flesh Malone, that will be the first time that the race has been won by someone who's not Anna Vandebregen in what, five years? <laughs> 2017. I think that would be sad in her last season to not win the race that she's like owned for the last however long. I mean, it mixes it up, but still, it's a pretty epic winning streak. Like, yeah, it really is. Like some, I think there were a couple occasions where someone got close, but man, she has, her name should be engraved on the road there. I think. Just my opinion. <laughs> but I, I think, well, yeah, okay, Ellen and Lizzie are out, but it's a great opportunity for the other riders in that team, like you said. Um, we can expect a really amazing things, and who knows? Someone like Taylor Wiles could get in one of those breaks that sticks to the line. I mean, um, one of the things I love most about Amstel Gold is, like, it's traditionally come down to, like, a small group or a solo rider. I mean... It's been kind of this, it's a little bit of an outlier in these three races because it's not the ASO. It is a different organization that runs the race and it's raced differently. I mean, it's it's also in a different country, country. compared to <laughs> the other two. And, and yeah, this year will be interesting because it will be circuits because of the coronavirus situation in, in the Netherlands. So that could change the dynamic a little bit, but... I like that Amso Gold has always been a very open race. And we've seen lots of different riders win that race, haven't we? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, the women have only been racing at Amstel for the past few years. So we're still, there's a lot of history to be made there. But um, the last time a rider who was not named Anna Van der Bregen won Flesh Vallone was in <laughs> 2014 when Pauline Fram Prevost won. Oh, well, 2014. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. And last year was like the closest, but any like she's gone in pretty much the same way every time. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, like Cecile Utrecht Ludwig took her right to the line, mm-hmm. and that's the closest that anyone else has come to beating her in that whole time. It's crazy. Well, the, in that respect, okay, it's sad if if she can't line up, but it'll be pretty cool to see one of those riders who love that race and have been targeting that race. I remember speaking to Cassia Nuodoma in 2017 and she so desperately wanted to win that race at some point in her life. It's such a specific race though, isn't it? It's like yeah, the same sort of rider always seems to win it. Um, but it's who like knows climb. what will happen? Yeah, it's a horrible it's climb. It's a brutal climb. <laughs> it's a really horrible place to finish. <laughs> Um, but with Amstel this year, I'm assuming they're not racing around the Kalberg. Yeah, for, for Amstel, yeah. so for Amstel Gold, they're doing circuits of the Kalberg and the Gohenberg. Kalberg and the Gohenberg and the Bemmelberg. Okay, so it has the classic finish that it's always had, which is the most important yeah. thing. Six laps of this course, which, I mean, everybody knows how Lauren and I feel about circuit racing and how exciting mm-hmm. it is. I mean, it would be more exciting if we could be there, but hey, it'll still be a really great race to watch. 
Man, it's so close to where I am, but I'm not allowed to cross the border and I'm not allowed to show up to a bike race. So <laughs> I think for for Flash Malone, I feel like it would be even more amazing that someone else win if Anna van der Bregen is in the Peloton. Because then it's like if she's not there, it'll always be like, oh, but Anna van der Bregen wasn't there that year. You know? A little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. She needs to be dethroned. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she needs to be present for her dethroning. <laughs> well, hopefully she's better by then. She's got a week. Yeah, we don't we haven't really heard much just that she got sick before Brabant's appeal and um and then there's rumblings that she also won't race Amso Gold, so huge bummer. Who else who else for, for Amso Gold and for Flesh? Who are we looking at? I mean Amso Gold, as we've said, is very open. I would love to see I mean, Demi Vollering take that after being caught out at Bourbon's appeal by uh, like the length, the width of a fingernail. Demi Vollering could be a good one for Flesh. Um, she's come third there. I think it was two years ago. Um, and she was so happy. She was like crying. I was watching it back recently and I was like, oh, so maybe she'll be going into that with like more fire in her belly and she might, might give it a crack. I think, um, for flesh, the, there's only really one rider that I that I would like to see win that race. Well, there's a lot that I would like to see, but there's one rider that really sticks out for me, and that's Cecilia Trubludwig, having come so close last year, and the girl still hasn't won a world tour race. So we really gotta. It's gonna happen. It's it's got to happen. She's been knocking on that door for years now. So I think that that would be that would be a huge moment for her and. If if Vanderbrain's not there, even if she is there, I think that Cecily, she's been riding well enough and she's just had a nice big training block coming into the Ardennes. So that that would be a that would be a winner that I would not be surprised, but would be very, very excited about. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's also a red hot shot for Amstel. We've seen fin- the anytime the a race in that area is finished. You know, whether it be the World Championships, the Bowles Holland um, Hills Classic that they used to run, and Amstel Gold, if there's that rider who can just unleash that one epic attack just before they're going over um, the top, it, it can stick. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I can't. We can do the same as Flanders and throw out a whole bunch of names again and then just gamble on that. <laughs> I mean, if we're throwing out names like Corinne Rivera for Amstel, she looked good today. She was getting over the climbs a little bit. It was her first race back of the season today, Brabant's appeal. So she's got now one race in the legs. I wouldn't be shocked to see her up there at Amstel Gold. Like you said, Lauren, she is a decent climber, especially like especially the punchy little climbs can sprint. So that wouldn't that would be one that I wouldn't be surprised about. Lucinda Brand also looked really good today. If we're gonna say Corinne, I'd say maybe Elisa Balsama as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's proven today that she can get over climbs. So Ruth Window. Everyone that was there today. <laughs> Everyone who was there today, plus like a few others. I mean, Soraya Paladin as well, possibly. She's been riding really, really well. And without Loto Kopecky on the start list, she's their next best rider really so i'd love to see her get a result 
You know, Ashley Moolman won in 2013, I think it was, or 14, the Bowles Hills Classic with the finish up the Kullberg, which is a very, very similar course. It's really hard. It's probably harder than the, this race. Um, so you, if, if she's got good legs on the day and confidence um, and it doesn't go, say, Demi Vollering's way because Anna's not there, then I'm throwing Ashley's name in the hat for a good result. All right, here's here's who I got for Am So Gold. Amelia Fallon. Mm. Oh, that would be a great win. Yeah. Are we yeah. done throwing names out? We've thrown out a bunch. Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Not a ton to talk about today, but we do have three of the most exciting races of the year coming up. So in anticipation of these races, I drove Taylor Wiles to the airport and forced her to talk to me about the Ardennes, women's racing, and cookies all right so we are here in the car on the way to the barcelona airport to drop off taylor wiles as she heads to the ardennes taylor how's it going it's going good this is like an episode of uh coffee in cars what is that comedians in cars with coffee except for i'm not very funny so uh it might not be comedians i feel like you're funnier funnier than you think you are yeah <laughs> bike riders and cars on the way to airports actually you could get a lot of pretty solid interviews i feel like in the car on the way to the airport. you spend a lot of time in cars traveling to airports this is true we do spend a lot of time traveling to and from airports it's a lot of wasted life yeah <laughs> have you ever calculated how much time you spend traveling to and from airports no i think that would be too depressing i would i would get real sad <laughs> so you are on your way to the ardennes and Bourbon's Appeal, which does not count as an Ardennes. It does not. How many times have you have you raced the Ardennes? Ooh, that is a good question. A lot of times. I think I've done Flesh on more than six times. We didn't used to have a Liège, but I think I've done every every episode of Liège that there has been a women's race. Yeah. Which is maybe three or four? Four? I'll look it up. I can't remember. Um, they blend together. Amsel also, I've done not as many times as Flesh. I don't know how many times they've had Amsel for women either, but I've, yeah, I've done them a fair amount. I'd say the Ardennes, I've done a lot of times. Are do you think that they're how do how do they stack up in comparison to like Flanders, Strada, stuff like that? Oh, it's tough for me. I love the Ardennes more than the Cobble Classics because they're more, I don't know more my style <laughs> cobbles are great but i kind of like the the ardennes style like little punchy climbs and stuff better um but strada is its own kind of magical thing so i can't even compare strada is one of my favorite races so it's hard to say um <laughs> but i also love the ardennes week because it's like you have three pretty epic races all in the span of one week which is is yeah it's just fun how does that look for you guys logistically as far as having three pretty hard races back to back to back um well we stay in the same hotel which is nice because they're all kind of in a similar area um i think the farthest one away is maybe liege um but yeah we just we get to stay in maastricht which is a really sweet town and kind of just go for coffee rides in between the races which is also very nice because there's really great coffee shop with really delicious cookies obviously you can see where my priorities lie within <laughs> racing <laughs> is how many coffee stops can I do between the races? Um, 
And yeah, uh, to be honest, I'm just really excited to race because I've been making myself suffer for so long in training because I haven't raced since Binda and I'm looking forward to other people making me suffer. So <laughs> yeah, what is it? What is it like as as far as you have the Cabo Classics and then it's a completely different type of rider that races the Ardennes. So there's the shift within the team and you're on a team that more so than other teams has a lot of riders on it. So for you going into the Ardennes, do you get to hang out with a bunch of different teammates than say we're at the Cobbled Classics? Yeah, we have a pretty solid Cobbled Classics team. Um, and then the Ardennes is kind of half the Cobbled Classics and then half kind of more of the climbier, punchier riders. So it's a bit it's a bit of overlap, but um, yeah, some some new riders come from yeah in and out i didn't do any of the cobble classics this year so it'll be like yeah all fresh for me <laughs> which one of the ardennes is your favorite race oh that's tough that's really tough i think i could probably rank them liege is probably my least favorite it's it's a great race but it's always gray and i don't know i feel like the town of liege to finish in it's like a little industrial and not as magical Flesh is m magical just because the Mur de Hui is this amazing, horrendous, but amazing thing. And on a normal year where there's not COVID and there can actually be people, it's like one of the most incredible finishes that we have. But Amstel holds a special place in my heart just because I love the course and I love Valkenburg. The little town is adorable and the Kauberg is, it's a good climb. It's not too long. And then it finishes kind of like false flatty. So I'd have to say Amstel's probably my favorite, then Flesh, then Liege. Are they all raced pretty differently? Yeah, very differently. I think, mm, yeah, well, yeah, differently, but the same, I guess, in the way that women's cycling is like, um, I think Amstel's been won many different ways. Like Casio so won it solo. It's been won like small breakaway sprints. Um, the course slightly changes a little bit every year for Amstel, so I think that adds a little bit of an element of surprise. Flesh has often been the same just because of the way the Hui is. Um, I don't think we do the Shalambra anymore before the Hui, which I enjoy because the the Shalambra, I usually call the Shitberg. I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, but <laughs> I just did. I'm really happy that we don't have to do that anymore. Um, so it kind of makes it a little more open because before it was always solo because that climb is so hard before the Hui. So it was mm -hmm. often a solo rider. And then Liege, yeah, it's it can be different every year. I think it's often either someone solo with a small group behind chasing um, or last year Lizzie was solo with a small group behind chasing. Um, and sometimes it's come down to a sprint of a small group. Yeah, I don't know. It's very dynamic. Women's yeah. racing, it's very dynamic. True, but it's... It also, it's dynamic, but it's also a lot of the same players at every race, it seems like. Yeah, I think it's, every year I think the number of riders that can be there at the very pointy end of the race is growing. Like, I think now there's about 10 riders who you kind of look at to know that they're going to be the ones at the pointy end of the race, whereas it used to be three to five. Um, so that that's cool that the, the women's peloton is definitely um, growing in strength. Do you think that has to do with the new uh, minimum wage? I don't know. I don't know what it has to do with. I think it's just becoming a more popular sport and mm. we're seeing women come into it younger and kind of develop talent. 
um, the, yeah, the talent is just a bit deeper. The pool is deeper. And it's this year, I feel more than any year previously, the talent is dispersed among the teams. Yeah, I think that's made racing really exciting. Like if you look at who's won races, it's been a variety of different teams and not all just one team. Um, at the beginning of the year, everybody was like, oh, SD Works is going to dominate, but they really haven't. I think it's kind of been spread across teams and it makes racing more exciting to watch. They pretty much haven't factored in the last three races that we've had. Yeah, I'd say watch out for Vanderbregen though, because she was at altitude and she was looking really lean and mean at Flanders, but I don't think she was going for Flanders because mm. you kind of, you can tell when she's going for something and when she's not. And I think she's going to come out flying for the Ardennes. That's my prediction. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. She's won flesh like five times in a yeah, row or that, something. She just Bonkers. owns the hui. Like she doesn't <laughs> like she has a straight face going up. It she doesn't even look like she's suffering. And then all of a sudden she accelerates and no one can follow. And she just like still has this straight face where she doesn't even look like it's hurting. And then meanwhile, me like back there making You have horrendous. the best suffer face. My sports site calls it my cookie face, which I like it. That's a positive way to think about my suffer face. Yeah. It's, it's a little horrendous. Do you think you'd go faster if you had the cookie feature on your Garmin where it tells you how many cookies you've earned? I might actually, or if it told, yeah, if it told me how many cookies I could eat post race. Or your Wahoo, sorry. Oh yes, the Wahoo. The Wahoo should, the, my Wahoo should just spit cookies out um, as I put down watts. It's like, okay, here's a cookie for you. That would yeah. be the ultimate. Or if you, whenever you did a time trial at the turnaround, they gave you a cookie. <laughs> I haven't done time trial in like two years now because we don't have any. Basically. Yeah, so that's that is something that we should just mention really quick. Is something that we've talked about a lot offline is the lack of stage racing in women's racing. Yes, I really love a stage race, and we just do not have very many, and it's really sad, especially for all of us, all arounders whose stage races are really kind of like our jam, and I just don't get to do it very often. Yeah, can you can you explain to me why it's important that there is stage races within the calendar? Well, I think if you look at the one days, and we talked about this, like the same ten riders are always kind of up there in the the pointy end of the one days because that's that's their strength, and and they're just head and shoulders above I think a lot of the other riders physiologically. Um, and stage races just gives opportunity to more people because. The racing is more dynamic it's more opportunistic there's breakaways and and the gc riders might be that same top 10 riders kind of in the in the world tour but then all of the support riders you know they can go in breakaways and the gc riders can let those breaks go if the time gaps are big enough so it just gives everybody more opportunity and then also people that are time trial specialists can can really prove themselves in stage races because we just don't have any time trials mm -hmm. and standalone time trials are a whole nother monster like you can't really a, a stage race time trial and a just standalone individual time trial are like two very different kinds of racing even so i think it just yeah it just gives the opportunity to more riders in the peloton yeah yeah and especially in in a COVID year last year and this year as well the number of race days has just been taking a hit yeah definitely I think there's all these races talking about you know women's stage races coming along like the tour and tour de Suisse and um the great race of the north the great race of the north which sounds awesome and 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 many others like I feel like in the, I feel like three years from now, we probably will have some pretty sweet women's stage races, but I think it's just taking a long time. And COVID just made everything take a big hit. Yeah. 
Yeah, do you think that COVID's really impacted the, the Peloton? I think it's just impacted the amount of races that we have because race promoters are having a harder time, you know, pulling everything together because they go, I mean, stage races go through so many towns. Although, I mean, the men's calendar is still packed. Like, I feel like the men are racing constantly. Mm -hmm. So if we could just have a few of those, it'd be cool. <laughs> well, thank you so much for chatting with me. Good yeah. luck at the Ardennes. Thanks, Abby.